We're going to read this morning from the book of Mark, chapter number 5. Again, so thrilled to have all of you guys in service with us. Such a joy to have the Fulkersons with us. Maybe in different circumstances, I'd have them up here worshiping the heaven. A wonderful uh, music ministry and travel this country, worshiping and singing for the Lord. And uh, I'm going to get with you guys, and we'll, we'll definitely make that happen. Amen. Appreciate them so much. Amen. Mark chapter number five, we're going to begin reading with verse number one. Reads like this, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying, cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. He cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. For with Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. They that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. When he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He departed and began to publish in the capitalists how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I want to share with you from my heart this morning on what happens when Jesus meets Legion. What happens when Jesus meets Legion? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray and ask you for your anointing to preach. God, that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what the Spirit would speak to us today. God, I'm so encouraged already by the testimonies, uh, the presence of these men and uh, from Teen Challenge that are here with us today. And God, I pray not only you'll minister to their heart, but all of us, oh God, this gospel is for one, it's for all. So I pray, oh God, help us around this altar. God, give us a great day in Christ. We ask it together in his name. If you love him, would you say amen? Amen. 
What happens when Jesus meets Legion? Well, let's meet Legion for a moment. Let's look at his, uh, what I would call a pitiful condition because he does uh, deserve our pity. When you see people that are bound in sin, they do deserve your pity. Now, I'll tell you the repercussions of sin or the end result of sin many times are met with people's scorn. They are met with people's hatred. They are met with people's contempt. But when you look through spiritual eyes, the Bible said, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the faith. And it takes a person who's spiritual to see, uh, hey, that used to be me. Yeah. Or hey, that should have been me. Or could have been me. When Jesus looked at Legion, he didn't look at him with anger or view him with despite or contempt. Uh, he viewed Legion from eyes of pity, eyes of compassion, eyes of uh, discernment that said, I see what the man can be. I see what the man will be if I can deliver him and set him free. Others see the end result of what he is because of sin. But I, I want to remind you, every one of us would be that without the Lord or worse. Mark records again in, uh, in chapter 5 there, in verse number 2, it says, When he was come out of the ship, he being Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. The fact remains that he was utterly miserable. Amen. The symptoms of his, of his condition were, number one, he was a man that had no self-control at all. He had lost all self-control. He no longer had any control of his life. He was possessed by demons. If you look at the, uh, the interchange that he had with Jesus, Jesus said, what is thy name? And the devil answers for him and says, my name is Legion, for we are, we are many. You see, the devil wouldn't even let him have his own conversation because as far as the devil was concerned, his life, belonged to him. His life was uh, the possession of the devil. That's what it means to be demon-possessed, that his life was now the sole property and the possession of the devil himself. Uh, if you could uh, listen to this man's testimony, it would be about obsessions in his life, addictions, compulsions. Uh, <coughs> it's possible uh, as we know, to be addicted to, to drink, to gambling, to sex, to drugs, uh, uh, you know, any, anything that possesses you or controls you can become an addiction in your life, a stronghold for Satan to move and work. Number, uh, number two, not only had he lost control of his life, uh, he had become a danger to himself and also to others. The demons had such a hold on his life, uh, that he was a threat to others. We read uh, uh, this same story in Matthew uh, chapter 8 and verse 28 says, When he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fears so that no man might pass by that way. And Matthew mentions that there were two demoniacs. Mark's gospel only gives us the story of one of them. But Legion must have been a 
fearful sight running down from the tombs, uh, down that hillside, no doubt shouting or screaming or foaming and uh, uh, causing panic and fear into the lives of those that uh, tried to pass by. That way he was a man that was a threat to others, but also unto himself. The Bible said always, day and night, he was in the mountains and in the tomb crying and cutting himself with stones. Uh, I, I've told uh, you these, these uh, testimonials before, but as a pastor, on several occasions I've sat right in my office and had parents bring in young people and say, all right, you know, roll that sleeve up, show him, show him, show him what you're doing. And uh, when they would say that, it, it, only two things would come to my mind. They're either, they're going to show me track marks or they're going to show me where they've been cutting themselves. And uh, on each occasion, just one uh, razor mark after another, all the way up both arms. And I, I've seen it. And the first time I seen it, I really was uh, kind of dumbfounded. I'd never heard of uh, people cutting themselves. There's a few occasions you find it in the Bible here and also in the Old Testament where the prophets of Baal, when they couldn't get their God to answer, then they leapt upon the altar and they cut themselves with lancets until the blood gushed out of them. You, 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 when you practice self-harm, no matter what it is, when you're doing something that is destroying your body, that it, or is destroying your life, destroying your family, destroying your church, destroying your testimony, whatever it is, uh, you can be sure that hell is behind it. You can be sure that the devil is the author of it. I, I've embraced young people, held them, you know, and hugged them while they and their parents were, were, were crying, wondering how we're going to, to, to get from where we are now, uh, self-harm and destroying our lives to where we're going to be healed of this. And I'd say there's one quick, short path, and that's take a step toward Jesus. Yeah. Call upon his mighty name. Yeah. I can't lead you through all the steps, through all the points, and uh, through everything you need to do, but the first step you need to take uh, is one toward Jesus. Amen. Amen. He, he practiced uh, self-harm. He was a threat to others and also to himself. And the Bible said he couldn't be restrained because he had often been bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. Neither could any man break his spirit, break his nature, control him. He was hopelessly, they couldn't bind him because he was hopelessly bound by the devil. I want to tell you what, what man tries to do that ultimately never works. God, through Christ, uh, can fix it. Yes, I said God, through Christ, uh, can show a man, woman, boy, or girl, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Uh, amen. He, he is our way of escape. He had no self-respect, leads to lost all self-respect. He had no shame. The Bible said in Luke 8 verse 27 in Luke's account of this same story when he went forth the lamb that met him out of the city a certain man which had devils a long time and he wear no clothes neither abode in any house but had his dwelling in the tomb. 
Listen, you didn't have any self-respect. You live in a society, the Bible said, the prince of the power of the air is at work in our society, that he is the God of this world. And he, uh, the Bible said, uh, you're wrestling not against uh, uh, flesh and blood, but principalities and against powers uh, of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, you you want to know who sets the standard uh, uh, of modern day uh, dress and attire? It's the devil himself. People have little to no respect for their own self. Uh, they wear little or next to nothing. That's because uh, their master leads them to have no self-respect. Uh, amen. This is where this young man found himself. When he's in his right mind, one of the first things you see, he was clothed and in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus will give you enough respect for yourself and to others, amen, not to run around like the world does, but as he would have you to live and to look. Listen, he was also in a state of a terrible restlessness. The demoniac was never at rest. Mark tells us in verse 5, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tomb, crying and cutting himself with stones. Uh, he had no peace. And in Isaiah 57 to 20, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. If you know Jesus, uh, then you know peace. Uh, but if you don't know Jesus, then you've never known peace. Uh, he said uh, he'll give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. The Bible calls him the God of peace. Uh, shall keep your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. Uh, uh, when we're looking at Legion uh, to meet him, he was an outcast from society. He didn't live sociably with his loved ones or with his friends in the city but as an outcast. Uh, one of the things the devil loves to do is to is isolate us right. from the people that love us the most. Yeah. The people that desire to help us the most. Uh, he wants to isolate us. You heard uh, our brother talk about when your family spends so much money on you trying to help you and you burn all the bridges uh, uh, that they have uh, used to try to give you that help. It tends to make them want to say, I'm done. Yes, I'm through. No more. Just get away from us. We can't take it. We can't handle it. We don't want it. That's the enemy's end goal, to get you away from the people that love you the most and that desire to help you. But listen, when the Lord found him, he said, go home now. Go home to your family and go back home to your friends. Uh, you're a new man. Yeah. You've got a new story. I'm going to write you a new ending. Amen. He had this morbid preoccupation with death. Legion did. He had his dwelling among the tombs. Uh, he only uh, lived around death. Uh, and and uh, Matthew said that there were two of them. This morbid preoccupation with them. We live in a world where, you know, one of the one of the uh, more famous or uh, renowned sitcoms, uh, The Walking Dead. This preoccupation with the uh, uh, zombies, with the the dead, and you you, you see people that uh, wear all black and 
There's this morbid preoccupation with uh, with death, and uh, if you've journeyed into uh, drugs and rock and roll and stuff like that, like I did before I was saved, there's this morbid preoccupation with death, and even with uh, hell. They write songs about it. They rock and roll to it. Uh, it's made to look fabulous and, uh, you know, mysterious and, uh, and fun. But I want to tell you, the end thereof are the ways uh, of death. Uh, and that is the, the road that this man was on. He, he had a very ambivalent attitude toward the Lord. On again, off again. We see it in his uh, conversation the first time you see this man called Legion, he's drawn to Jesus. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And then before you can even figure out what's going on, he's crying out, fearful of Jesus. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. It, it, it's strange. It's almost as if uh, as soon as this young man gets close to Jesus and Satan knows I'm about to lose my dwelling place, uh, I'm about to have to find somewhere else to go and live, that he takes over this man's life and begins through this man to try to push Jesus away. I've seen that so many times in people's lives. They know they need Jesus. But when it comes right down to surrendering their life to him, they push him away. Amen. <clears throat> Some people are ambivalent about their addiction, about their obsession, or over their sin, whatever it might be. They become attached to that sin in spite of knowing how harmful it is to them and to others. The, the alcoholic fears what life would be without the bottle. Uh, the drug addict fears what his or her life would be without the drug. The, you know, person who's addicted to whatever fears what their life would be without uh, what has controlled their life for years. It would have been difficult to predict how Jesus would save Legion from all the addiction, from all the obsession, from all the harm and retribution of his sin. He was not a man that was going to be easily cured. The inhabitants of his hometown had tried everything they knew, tried to bind him. With fetters and chains. They put him in the, in the local jail. And the Bible said he just tore their chains. And broke their fetters off of him. They had tried to run him through different kind of rehab facilities. But the Bible said he could not be tamed. There was, they, they had tried everywhere they thought. Every way they knew how. But uh, they couldn't help him. And somebody said, uh, well, I can tell you one thing. Church ain't going to help him either. Somebody asked me <coughs> when I was preaching in the prisons. Somebody asked me out of the Holman prison. They said, I'm worried. My family has told me that I have jailhouse religion. And I'm worried that that's just the case. And they told me that I'm not really 
saved and I'm not really cured and I'm not really delivered that it's just jailhouse religion. And I'm worried that when I get out that I'll just revert back and be the same person that I was before I got here. And he said, do you think I have jailhouse religion, preacher? Or do you think what I have is real? And I said, well, I want to tell you, I don't know what answer you're wanting to hear from me. I said, but I don't know any other kind. That jailhouse kind. He said, what do you mean? I said, we all come to the Lord out of a perceived need in our life. We all come to him through something going on in our life and we can't fix it. We can't help ourselves. We can't get it figured out. And we've tried every avenue that we know to try and none of them have worked. And that's where the Lord brings us. A perceived need for a savior. A, a perceived need for a deliverer. A healer whatever it might be in our life. And Jesus is all of the above. And I said, that's where I was. My marriage was failed. Everything, I was a college athlete, tore this arm up pitching. My, my collegiate career was over. So fine, I'm just going to do my own thing, live my own life. And it was spiraling out of control fast. And as a result of my sin, my marriage was failing and and. People's plea was, uh, hey, you're going to lose custody of your daughter. Your life's spiraling out of control. You need to do something. I went to church on a Sunday night, uh, and, the, and during that altar call, I said to the Lord, don't know why you would want my life. Uh, what's left of the pieces, the broken pieces in my life, I give it to you. That was 28 years ago. And here I stand this morning redeemed, restored, and renewed by the power of this gospel. Amen. Listen, in order to touch this man's life, Jesus has to do the unthinkable. He destroys the livelihood of the people. He wrecks their whole economy. said, Jesus wouldn't do that. Well, why wouldn't he? Amen. I'll tell you, he'll wreck America's economy if it would bring revival. Yes, sir. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Why wouldn't he do it? He cares more about the state of the soul than the state of the current economy. Glory to God. That'll preach in our current day in which we're living, won't it? Why would the Lord allow such to happen? He's showing the value of a soul. Now their value was on the pigs that were feeding in the field. But Jesus said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And they said, don't make us leave out of the country. Allow us to go into that herd over there. And the Lord knew what was going to happen. He said, go ahead. I'm not here to redeem pigs. I'm not here because I care about this country's current state of their economy. I'm not here because I care about their job status. I'm here because I care about you. Yes. Hallelujah. Christ didn't come so we could be wealthy. Christ came so we could be born again. 
what men chase, what men flock to, what men desire to have and possess. Christ cares nothing about. I want to tell you what he does care about. He cares about your eternal soul. He cares about you finding him salvation, joy, peace, love. All of those things is what makes a man rich. Jesus was responsible for at least 2,000 head of swine to run violently down the, the cliff and they were choked in the sea. The behavior of Jesus showed us the value that he puts on one single soul. He's prepared for men to lose their livelihood so that one man could be set free. Amen. That seems extreme to us. But you look at Calvary and if that's not extreme to you, I don't know what is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth upon him should not perish, uh, but would have everlasting life. Uh, that's about as extreme as it gets, that Jesus would give his life uh, so I could be saved. Oh, yes, Lord. Amen. We call Islam radical because men would give their life for their religion or for their God, and we call it the you know, extreme Islamic terrorism. We, we think their ideology is radical. It's extreme. But I want to tell you, it's a copycat version. Before there was ever anything known or called Islam, amen, there was Christianity. Before there was a God named Allah and a prophet named Muhammad falsely being called upon as God. And the name of our God was called upon. And if Christianity is not radical, if it's not extreme, then you need to take another look at Calvary. He gave his life for me. Amen. Greater love hath no man than this. And he would lay down his life for his friend. He's my friend and I'm going to be his. I would gladly exchange this life for his any day. Any day. Our salvation costs God a whole lot more than a herd of pigs. It cost him his only son. Amen. Throughout the centuries, the conversion of a man or a woman to Christianity has always had repercussions for others. I read the story of a Chinese house church leader arrested and imprisoned by the communist regime in China, the current regime in China, I might, I might add. What seemed to us dreadfully unfair is that when they arrested him and put him in prison, the government seen to it that his wife and daughter would, were helped by nobody, could have no job to make sure that they suffered as head of that church so all the other Christians could watch them suffer and starve. And you think, my Lord, that's how you treat people that have given their life dedicated their life to you and for the ministry. I want to tell you, whatever it costs you to serve God is going to be worth it in the end. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'd rather be full of the Holy Ghost than my belly be full. Hello? Yes, sir. 
I'd rather be full of the Holy Ghost and die with victory. It may cost you something to live for God, but you need to remember it costs him everything. Drastic cases require drastic measures or methods. Prodigal son would have never come to his senses unless God had allowed a famine in the land for that boy to be brought to the point of eating pig slop. A bright light blinded Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. He had to lose his physical sight so that he could gain spiritual insight. The Philippian jailer thought he had lost every prisoner and was going to lose his own life only to be brought to the place. Uh, do yourself no harm. We're all here. Sir, what must I do to be saved? Many times uh, you have to lose it all so the Lord can help you gain it all. There's a perfect cure. Legion's case seemed hopeless. I suppose everyone believed that he was beyond help. He had been completely written off by all that knew him. This, this is the man that Jesus and Jesus alone had the power to save. So what happens when Jesus meets Legion? Number one is there's going to be a change take place. Amen. What happens when Jesus meets Legion? Number one, there's a change. In Mark 5 and 15, they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil. I like the word was possessed. And had the legion sitting and clothed and at his right and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They saw a man so completely born again, so completely made new so completely and radically changed that it scared them. Radical Christianity scares those that are lukewarm and religious. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Woo, hallelujah. Radical Christianity scares those that are only lukewarm and religious. Oh, if you get born again, you're going to have to radically change you going to love Jesus like that? Well, I love Jesus, uh, but I love all this other stuff too. And I wasn't really wanting to change that much. I didn't need to change as much as Romaine did. Yes, you did. Oh, yes, you did. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. And except a man be born again. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is salvation? It is a radical change. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Hallelujah. If that doesn't happen, it has to happen. You need to cry out to him until it does happen. If that were to happen in every mom and dad, we would see more young people on fire for God than we ever thought possible. Oh, that would happen to every church. We'd transform our communities like we never thought possible. You'd see a change when Jesus meets Legion number two. You would see a calm. Legion was not only in his right mind, but sitting there at the feet of Jesus, no longer wild, 
running loose, restless and discontented. Amen. Now he knew the peace of God that passed all understanding. You see change, you'll see calm. Third, you'll see him clothed. He was clothed and in his right mind. I always loved to preach that because we live down here on the beach. I do. Amen. God didn't bring me to Baldwin County so that this could be my retirement destination. He didn't bring me down here to vacate and, you know, to enjoy the lovely outdoors. It is beautiful down here. You'd be crazy to think it wasn't. And if I didn't live here, this would be a vacation destination. But I've always said, I'm a man of God. And I'm one, not only in the pulpit, but also out there in the street. And I never want anybody in this congregation have to look on me without my clothes on. Neither do I want to disrespect them and seeing them without theirs on. So there's a line I won't cross. And there's places I won't go. The only time I go down to that beach is in the winter time. That's because people got the clothes on. You say, Brother Eddie, you are so old-fashioned. You didn't have to go there this morning. I'm just saying I love these people. I respect every one of them in here. And that's just the way it is with me. You see me in Walmart? I'm going to be dressed like a man of God. I ain't going to be in a suit and tie unless I've come from some place where I, I, I preached a funeral just the other day and I went somewhere to eat and the waitress said, my, you're dressed sharp to be in here. And I told her, well, I just come from a funeral. I respected that family. I respected the one we were laying to rest. Uh, I wanted to, you know, the president gives a State of the Union address. Uh, you'd think something's wrong with him in a t-shirt, blue jean, and flip-flops. He's disrespecting the office. Uh, and hey, I've got a higher office than he's got, I can tell you that. Woo, hallelujah. I'm just telling you, he was dressed to the part. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus uh, and he was clothed in a way that he respected himself uh, and his God. Fourth, he was captivated. He had been he, he had been delivered. He had been saved. He had been redeemed. He had been set free. And he wanted to stay with his Lord. 28 years I've been saved. Ain't no thought for me to backslide. Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I've been redeemed from that life. I've been saved from that life. This is where I belong. And if the Lord carries a, another 28 years and allows me to live and you visit the church on Sunday, that's where I'll be. I won't be in a deer woods. I won't be in a bass boat. I won't be in a club somewhere. If I'm born again, I'll be in the house of God with people that love God. He was sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus said, all right, boys, I came for what the... The, 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 the Spirit of God brought us here for that man saved and delivered and loosed. Uh, let's get back in the boat and go to the other side. Those disciples get back in and when they got ready to set sail, they felt the boat rock again and they all turned around. Oh, legions in the boat with them. What are you doing? He said, I'm going with you. Wherever you are is where I'm going to be. I want to be as close to you as I possibly can. I don't ever want to leave you. He said, I get it. I understand. 
And you don't have to, but I, I can use you greater right here in this country. Your countrymen need you. I want you to go back to your family and to your friends. You've got a testimony to share. You've got a song to sing. You've got a message to preach. Let them all know what God's done for you. Amen. Captivated by our Lord. He had a wonderful message. You guys have a message that our nation needs to hear. You guys have a testimony that our churches need to be infused with. Amen. Curse if you'll come help me. I'm going to finish this. My brother already said it. We're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The rest of that verse said, and they love not their life, even unto the death. Brother Roy Drum won our family to the Lord. He was a retired minister. His wife had suffered a severe stroke. He was he sold everything he had. It was his last Sunday night with us. He's going to live with her in a nursing home right over in Montrose, right over on the bay, right outside of Fairhope. And he told me, he said, you know, to sell everything you got, to lose everything, and he said, the nursing home has to get it all. We liquidate our assets, and it all goes to the nursing home. He said, I'm going to live out the rest of my days in a nursing home. He said, I got to hear from heaven. I got to hear God speak to me. So he came to church with me that night. Many of you have heard this story, and we prayed. An hour before the service, people started getting there around church time. And he got up. He was sitting where Brother Bob is sitting in that sanctuary. I heard him start rustling around. I was praying up at the altar, and he was praying at the pew. I heard him start rustling around. He got situated, and he sat down on the front pew, and I heard him, you know, blowing his nose. He'd been weeping while he was praying. Went back over and sat down because I wanted to, he was a man of God. I wanted to hear. He said, I got to hear from heaven. I'm going to live out the rest of my days in a nursing home. I went over and sat down next to him. I said, Brother Roy, did God speak to your heart? Did he say anything to you? He said, he did. I said, what did he say? He said, the Lord said unto me, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give unto thee a crown of life. He said, I'm going to the nursing home and I'm going to witness to all the doctors and all the nurses and all those residents that are living in there. He said, somebody in the nursing home needs Jesus. I'm going to serve him until I die. Hallelujah. He's, he, he died a few years later in his 90s. But he died serving God. Hallelujah. Heard that man's testimony. He was a he was a bootlegger in the days of prohibition in our country where it was illegal to serve alcohol. <coughs> he run for the mob, who he run for in New Orleans. He had bootlegged whiskey across the state line. He said, I was well paid. And he said, the only way, the only way way I could get out 
of working for the mob, knowing what I knew and the contacts that I had made without them killing me. So he said, I got so radically born again and full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. He said they were absolutely terrified of me and decided they wouldn't kill me, but they would let me go. He become a gospel preacher. Amen. That was where it started. Where it ended was in a nursing home here in Baldwin County, witnessing to the to the nurses taking care of, witnessing to the people that he ate lunch next to in the lunchroom every day. Be thou faithful unto death. I'll give unto thee a crown of life. I'm going to tell you, this is almost over. This world's being prepped and primed for the Antichrist. This world's marching straight toward great tribulation, the pre-tribulation rapture of the church is upon us. Amen. Amen. For others, I've preached three funerals in the last three weeks. For others, they may be at the end of their journey. What our life is about, from start to finish, is faithfulness unto God. Well done. Good and faithful servant. What happens when Jesus meets Legion? There's going to come a change. There's going to come a calm. There's going to come a captivation. And there's going to be a contentment. I found what I've been looking for my whole life. Do you know him this morning? If you don't, you need to. Hallelujah. Has that change taken place in your heart and in your life? Is it? If it hasn't, then it must. It must. If you're to be born again. Paul said the things that were gained to me I now count them as loss that I might win him. If you're able, stand with me all over this house.